Good morning, everyone. <laughs> it's just wonderful to be here worshiping the Lord this morning. Uh, did have any of you been watching the uh, TV show Old People's Home for Teenagers? <laughs> it's been uh, a really heartwarming um, show. It's uh, a show where they take uh, ten teenagers into a uh, retirement village and they have ten elderly people from the retirement village and they spend six weeks, four days a week doing things together, activities and fun things and sharing and challenges and all sorts of things and uh, build relationships. And uh, they interview the people obviously beforehand and then interview them at the end and, and say, you know, how, what has this made a, a difference to your life? And uh, at the beginning, loneliness was such a big thing amongst the teens, who obviously are surrounded by people at school and home and whatever, and also with the older, elderly people, even though they're in a village with neighbours of their age all around them. And uh, they build relationships through those six weeks through doing things together with, with, with each other and with the young people and, and the older people together. And it's, it was a great show. If you have an opportunity to see the, the rerun, I can recommend it. But of course, the ultimate relationship is with Jesus. And uh, today I would like to talk about two women who loved Jesus with their whole hearts and were committed. They loved him boots and all, as Daryl would say. i start uh, reading uh, from the Gospel of John. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honour. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. All four Gospels have a, a version of uh, three of them have a version of this story and then the other, um, Luke, tells us a similar story. Uh, but this Mary and Martha are the ones who we uh, hear about in another story where uh, Jesus came to their house and Martha's busy getting everything ready and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his teaching and uh, leaving her poor sister to manage everything else. <laughs> And uh, this is the same Mary who uh, just a few days before Passover, a few days before the crucifixion, brings this offering 
to Jesus of a very expensive perfume. And uh, in, uh, in Mark, it says some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? Could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. And Luke tells us a similar, a different story. It's earlier in the ministry of Jesus. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know the kind of woman who's touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. Neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, Who is this man? And he goes around forgiving sins. And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So this perfume was nard, uh, probably imported from India, which was quite a long way from Israel. So it cost a lot of money. It's a... a a, uh, an essential oil that's distilled from a little plant that grows up in the mountains, the Him Himalayan mountains, and uh, would have uh, been a particularly valuable uh, fragrance. But why these extravagant gestures? Why their boldness? Their lavish expression of admiration for Jesus? I mean, why may take the risk for Mary? They're all having a great time. They're all uh, the disciples and Simon the leper, presumably someone that Jesus had healed. 
uh, Jesus is there and she, she does this way out thing. <laughs> totally unexpected, totally unusual and she gets criticised. She gets, why did she take that risk? The other woman, she took, really took a risk coming into a Pharisee's house. She was most likely to get thrown out for doing it, other than Jesus intervened on her behalf. Why risk criticism? Why risk rejection? Well, for Mary, she was friends with Jesus. She'd sat at his feet. She'd heard his teaching. She loved him. And John records that Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Talking about it, it says that just before, uh, when he first heard that Lazarus had died, was, was really sick, it says, Jesus loved them, and that's why he waited two days <laughs> before he went to and, and allowed Lazarus to die. She had a heart of gratitude. Her life had been changed by this man. Her brother was alive because of this man. She was just so grateful and she just wanted to pour out her love on him. The woman in Luke's story, most likely a prostitute, had obviously had some sort of encounter with Jesus before this occasion. She saw a man who looked at her with pure love instead of lust. She saw a man who treated her with respect instead of seeing her as an object. And she just wanted to express that love to him. She wanted to express her gratitude. We're made in the image of God and as such, we have within us the capacity to know God. Before we be born again, we lack the power to know him. But the moment the Spirit has given us new life, we begin to feel our relationship with him. And it's a relationship that will grow a lifelong discovery of the delights of knowing his presence and his love. In his book, The Pursuit of God, Tozer says, to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love, scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. To, to know him, but then to continue to pursue him and is, is a paradox. But it's one that we want to do because our hearts are burning within us. We want to pursue Jesus. When uh, Daryl and I were in our early years of marriage, we had a little game that uh, you may have played. It was, why did you marry me? hoping for some affirmation from the other partner. <laughs> and uh, one day he said, I married you for your potential. <laughs> well, well, wrong answer. <laughs> that wasn't what I was looking for. It wasn't that I wasn't willing to uh, help him with his pursuits and, and uh, it wasn't that I wasn't wanting to support him, but that wasn't what I was looking for to hear. I wanted to hear, you love me, I wanted to hear. 
that he married me because of who I was. And Jesus wants us to come to his feet and his face before we come to his hands and look for what he has to give. He's not insecure. So why does he want us to come that way? Well, one-way relationships aren't much good, are they? You tried being friends to somebody and there's little or no response from the other side. It's frustrating. It's not really a relationship at all. So Jesus loves us. He pours out his goodness on us and he wants a relationship. Relationship means our response for who he is, not just for what he can give us. So we come first of all to seek his feet in humility in declaring our dependence on him, acknowledging his supremacy. Humility is not demeaning yourself, it's exalting God, it's declaring how good he is, it's declaring that he is powerful, that he is our sufficiency, he is what we can depend on because he is great, he is good, he is loving, he is kind. And then we seek his face. In the Bible the face speaks of the presence of a person, their, their personhood. In uh, Numbers God gave Aaron the blessing, I'm sure you've heard. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. That's talking about his face shining on us. His face being turned towards us. We know when somebody turns their back on you, it's, it says something, doesn't it? We want God to turn his face toward us. We seek his face with praise and worship. I love that new song we had today. Praise the Lord. It's just wonderful to declare his praise, declare his goodness, and it builds us up. This morning I opened my emails early on and uh, it was an a email from Alex sharing a video. And uh, so when I, I got up, I uh, started to watch it. Well, actually, I started before I even got up, but <laughs> it, it touched me and I thought, I've got to watch this. So um, I sat there watching it, and it's uh, about a guy who has a song given to him in a dream, and he, uh, he's a musician and he writes songs. So he, he um, writes this song so that it can be sung in his church in Thessalonica in Greece. And uh, then when they sing it, the Holy Spirit just falls on the place. And it's amazing. And it's a wonderful video. And as I was watching it, I just found myself speaking in tongues and just worshipping along with them. And then when I came to the end of it, I just kept speaking in tongues and, and I woke up this morning with a sore throat and I'm thinking, that's no good. I've got to preach today, I can't have a sore throat. 
Um, so I prayed about it, but uh, and then when I started to, to join in the worship on with this video and, and just pray in tongues, I thought, oh, this it's going to wear out my voice. I won't be able to to preach today. And yet, God did a miracle because I could not stop praying in the spirit from that time um, all through the shower. And then I thought, no, I should stop. But next thing, I'm I'm speaking to the Lord again. <laughs> And then taking Sky for a walk, and uh, just could not stop. Every time I stopped, I um, started again, and it was just fantastic. And so, from 7:30 this morning, I have not stopped praising the Lord and praying, and my voice is still going. <laughs> and once I was all ready, I sat down and just listened to that song again, and it was just so magnificent and wonderful, and I've had the most amazing time of worship and prayer with the Lord, and I've never experienced anything quite like it in my entire life. It was just overwhelmingly wonderful, and I've just enjoyed the worship this morning so much because it's just kept going, and that worship, and uh, God is good. And after we've done that, then we seek his hands. Then we pray and ask for him to work. Jesus invites us to come and rest, to spend time with him in this this incredible intimacy. Intimacy that allows us to be honest in our complaints, bold in our approach, lavish in our love. Intimacy that allows us to hear our Father's voice and discern our Father's will. Intimacy that so fills us with his love and his nature that it spills out to our dry, thirsty world around us. Seeking his feet and his face, that's where it all begins. Attention is a valuable commodity. Advertisers know if they can get our attention, they get our focus, they will get our response. And in the spiritual realm, attention is a valuable commodity. What we give our attention to is what we give our focus and our faith to. And the enemy knows that he can't compete with the authority and power of God, but he can compete for our attention and our affection. And that determines how we care for the truth that's in our hearts. As I focus my attention on him and his goodness, the seed of truth begins to outgrow the weed of fear in my heart. Gift giving is not one of my things. I'm really bad at it. I hate special occasions because... I don't know what to do. I don't know what people would like. I don't know what to get. Um, even for family and friends and with Daryl, it was, was always really difficult. But buying gifts because you don't want to get into trouble or because it's what's expected is really difficult. And sometimes worshipping is a bit like that. We don't want to seem ungrateful. We know we ought to. But it's difficult. But we see these women with their extravagant gifts of worship. And sometimes our worship looks so poor in comparison. So what should we do? 
try harder? No. We've got to be like these women and think like these women. Focus on him. Focus on how good he is. Focus on his greatness. Focus on him being almighty God. Focus on what Jesus has done for us and how he died for us. You've got that scene, Jesus the guest of honour, Simon the leper, Lazarus and the disciples. Followers of Jesus and yet they thought Mary's worship was excessive. And Jesus says, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Do we worship like that? I'd like to suggest that this week we, we begin thinking about his gift and pour out something precious on him, something that costs us. It doesn't need to be clever. This song that was on the video was just very simple, basic words that we've sung many times. But because it came from a special place, it came from their hearts. It had power. And it was a special gift. So how wonderful it would be to sense Jesus saying, you've done a beautiful thing for me. Don't be like that disciple who doesn't understand the cross and asks, how much can I get? Rather, like these women whose fragrant perfume inspires our worship and be among the, those who ask how much can I give Lord we do thank you we thank you Lord for your wonderful wonderful presence thank you Lord for your graciousness thank you Lord for sending Jesus to suffer and die for us Lord when we think of all that you've done for how you've changed our lives, for what you've done in our lives, for the miracles that you've done for us. Lord God, we want to thank you. We want to bless you. We want to lift up the name of Jesus and honour you today. Thank you, Lord. Amen.